So, tell me what happened. I was there. They crucified him. I can show you where they buried him. What difference does it make at this point? I understand. But just start from the beginning. Well... It was amazing. A few years back, a guy shows up making all kinds of crazy claims. He spent most of his time at the river. That's where I would go to listen. Then one afternoon, he just stops, mid-sentence points, and says, Look! So we all looked. Look, he said, the Lamb of God. <laughs> just what we all needed, right? A lamb? That's the first time I saw him. The lamb, that is. Jesus. You were with Jesus as well. I was for three years, right up until, well, yesterday. It was amazing. He was amazing. And the crowds, oh, I've never seen so many people in one place. And it was everywhere, everywhere we went, more crowds. They came to listen, they came to watch, some came to criticize, others to be healed. And he touched, he touched untouchable people and, and they were healed. I'm not sure I understand. He was healing people, but you seem offended. He told a man his sins were forgiven. People are so naive. Only God can forgive sin. His followers made mockery of the law, and he never lifted a finger to stop them. He would defend them. He would defend them and criticize us. Us! I was there the day he claimed to be greater than the temple. Then the rumors started. Rumors that he would actually destroy the temple. And the ignorant peasants he surrounded himself with believed him. Worse than peasants. Sinners. Tax gatherers. Women. He told me about me. The part of me that... That shames me. But I didn't feel shame that afternoon. Before that day, I can't remember when I haven't felt shame. But that day, that day I felt alive. They knew we were coming. Now, by that time, they knew every move we made. We didn't know who to trust. But that, that didn't concern him. So, off we went into the jaws of the lion. Jerusalem. And the whole world was waiting for us. They lined the streets. The sound of their shouts was deafening. And I'll admit, it, it, it went to our heads. But 
Not him. He seemed preoccupied. I, w I would say worried. But I'm not sure that he ever worried. And then things got strange. He made Passover all about him. You know, he, he said the bread was his body and, and the wine was his blood. And we were used to that kind of thing, but, but this seemed more unusual than normal, even for him. Then he announced a new covenant. We had no idea what that meant. And then he gave us a new command. And we, we certainly didn't need any more of those. So what was the problem? The problem? Jesus was the problem. The crowds loved him. The crowds flocked to him. And the crowds not only believed him, they were beginning to believe in him. That was a problem. So, we took care of it. You mean, you killed him? No, Rome killed him. Lucky for us, it was one of his own that led us to him. And once we had him, well, all the other peasants scattered, as we suspected they would. But let's be clear, we did not kill him. Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. I should have made him their king. I saw more courage, more integrity in those eyes in the eyes of any of their high priests. They were jealous. Ask my wife. I tried to save him. But as soon as I mentioned king, we have no king but Caesar, they chanted. And in that moment, I realized I had no choice. And then I crucified their king. But for the record, they responsible, not me. It doesn't matter now. What matters now is that Passover is over. Things will settle down now. So, what do you do now? We hide. We wait. Didn't he say he'd be back? Yeah, yeah, he, uh... He said a lot of things. More than you have room to write. So, do you think he'll be back? I don't know. I don't think so. Of course they didn't think so. And neither would we. Nobody was expecting nobody. If you think about it, we don't find anybody standing outside of Jesus' tomb on Easter morning counting down. They all missed his prediction. They all missed what he said would happen. They all missed it. And I believe that we have a lot in common with Jesus' first disciples. Maybe we've walked away when Jesus didn't 
meet the expectations we had of him. And see, the disciples, they went back. They were ready to go back to their, to their life, going back to the fishing business, going back to their families. There was nothing left for them, it seemed, on Saturday. And perhaps when we look back on our life, we've missed on how God has actually done something in our life. But we got so mad because he didn't answer what we wanted him to answer. We wanted him to say yes, and he said no. But yet we missed out on how he actually used that for our good and for his glory. See, the disciples, man, they were thinking there is no way on earth that this is right. There's no reason on earth the Messiah would die why would Jesus go to this bogus trial, never ever once speak up to defend himself? Then he's handed over to Romans and Romans of all people are crucifying him. They're executing him and he didn't stop it. Something's not right here. They could not see the good out of this. There was no way looking at this, there's nothing good that could come out of this. It's also possible that we've been so focused on what we're going to get out of the relationship with him that we've missed on why we need a relationship with him. See, the disciples were so focused on Jesus being the Messiah and the benefits that, they would, that, would, that would give them. They're daydreaming about when Jesus is setting up his kingdom and he's king and they're going to rule and reign with him. They're thinking about power and authority and control. Maybe we're feeling a little guilty about how we have not been all in with Jesus. Maybe out of fear. Maybe, if we're honest, maybe because we've been lazy. We're a lot like Peter. Peter dealt with guilt of denying Jesus. I mean, within 24 hours, he goes from saying, Jesus, I'm willing to die for you, to I don't even know that guy. All because he was afraid. So what we want to do is we want to tell the story. We want to tell the story of how everything changed for these disciples. And so we're going to look at three of the four Gospels and how they sort of paint this picture together. So Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Now here's a few things here. This is Saturday night they went and purchased the reason why they purchased these spices is because they needed to finish the job of a proper burial. Because Jesus was rushed off the cross, Joseph and Nicodemus put him in the borrowed tomb. Well, they must not have finished what they needed to do. And so the women followed them. They knew exactly where the tomb was. And so once Passover wrapped up on Saturday evening, they ended up going purchasing Spices. Now, here's what's so interesting. Many scholars say it was about 75 pounds of spices you would need to properly bury someone. Now, for those who like to save money, think about this for a second. If you were expecting there to be no body, you were expecting there to be an empty tomb, why would you buy all of those spices? Why would you go to the effort of doing that? Because nobody expected no body. They did not believe that Jesus was going to come back to life. Everybody in Jesus' corner was shocked. And so they, they went and they're going to go and prepare the body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. 
on the way they were asking each other, who is going to roll the stone away for us from the entrance of the tomb? And as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. And then Luke also writes that they entered the tomb to make sure, just to make sure, and it was empty. Now, they didn't assume there was a miracle. They didn't assume there was the resurrection. They assumed that someone stole the body. And so they ran back to the city and found the disciples who were hiding. She ran, talking about Mary Magdalene, and found Simon Peter. Now, here's what's so fascinating about this. If you find something, that means something was either lost or was hiding. They were hiding, and we're going to see why they were hiding. So she finds them. She explains what happens. She said they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Something's not right. His body is gone. So not only have they crucified him, but now they've stolen the body. And the disciples, they were skeptical. The story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. If you believe Jesus is a really important person, but you're struggling with believing in the resurrection, his early disciples did too. They, they thought it was nonsense. There's no way, there's no way that the tomb is empty. Why? Because in their minds, I mean, it was it was sealed. It was guarded. There's no way that it could be empty. However, Peter had a, he just couldn't sit there. So he jumped up, ran to the tomb to look. When he got there, he stooped, he peered in, and he saw the empty linen wrappings. Now notice, then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Peter, who's type A, is like, this isn't right. Like, I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense. It was sealed. It was guarded. I mean, this is starting to sound like a conspiracy. Like, what are we going to do now? And he wanted to go home. Maybe back to the fishing business. Started back up again. See his family again. In his mind, he wanted, this is, this, we're done. Like, there, there's, there's no hope in any of this. Now, here's what's so astonishing they documented their own disbelief. Do you know why we can trust the New Testament? It's because they documented their own disbelief. I mean, these are guys who also wrote that Jesus predicted. He predicted his death and resurrection. And they also put in there that they missed it. They blew it. They thought it was nonsense. I mean, talk about humility. Talk about not looking good. Man, nothing made sense. And I believe this is one of the reasons why we can trust the New Testament. So maybe he was on his way home. Maybe he was, hey guys, I'm leaving. I'm going back. There's really nothing left here for me. And that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Man, if they, if they crucified him and they went and stole his body, now they hid his body. What are they going to do to us? I mean, he's the leader of this movement. And what about us? So they were afraid. And then suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking that they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened? He asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Guys, 
When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Yes, I mean, it was written long ago, but Messiah was going to suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Guys, I'm trusting you with this mission, this mission and this message. And this message is there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You guys are witnesses of all these things. They were eyewitnesses to the event that triggered a movement that changed the world. And through his resurrection, Jesus created Christianity and he launched the church. Man, before the resurrection, like that Saturday, there were no Christians. There was no movement. There was no Christianity. There was no church. It was people looking to going back to their old lives. Because nobody was expecting nobody. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead because of their testimonies, which backed the predictions of the Jewish scriptures. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, James, and Paul referencing the, the resurrection and the details of the resurrection. And their writings, inspired by God, were copied, distributed, collected, and bound together in what we call the Bible. People gave their lives to tell this story. Because they believed it to be true. I mean, would you die for a lie? I know I would not die for a lie. If something was not true, I would not give my life for it. But you had people, not just these disciples, but disciples along the years that made sure that this story was told and they gave their life to tell the story. Why would they die for a lie? See, the foundation of our faith is an extraordinary event with profound implications for your life, for your fears, for your hopes, for your happiness. And maybe 15, 20 years after the resurrection, Peter is writing to a local church. And this is what he encourages them. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was convinced that Jesus was God's Son. And God had a plan to rescue humanity. He said, it is by his great mercy, that compassion, that we have been born again. And born again means to have new life, that your soul is made new. It's made alive. The reason why we've been born again is because God raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we have new life. Because he defeated death, and not just physical death, but, but spiritual death. We're able to have our soul be made alive spiritually. Guys, our, our physical bodies are going to decay. And the thing that's going to live on is going to be our soul in one place or the other. Instead of being spiritually dead and kept spiritually dead, we are made spiritually alive through believing in the resurrection. And he says, because you've been born again, you now live with great expectation or hope. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. And he said, look, this new life comes with two things. It comes with hope and it comes with an inheritance. And, you know, children, we get inheritances, right? We, we get children get inheritances. And inheritance in, in spiritually is 
Because we believe we've been adopted into God's family and so he has an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. He says, so be truly glad. Yeah, life isn't perfect down here. Life is difficult. But, but be glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. Things are going to get better. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Man, Peter didn't doubt God's existence because he went through suffering. He saw Jesus, God's son, die, suffer, and come back from the dead. And his faith was not in an imaginary God who keeps bad things from happening to good people. Peter saw the worst imaginable thing happen to the best person he'd ever known. And Peter, his faith was in God, who not only willed his son to be sacrificed, but to be resurrected. And the resurrection, man, it reframed Peter's life because without seeing the resurrection, he was afraid. He was afraid of what would happen to him. But after he saw the resurrected Jesus, he was not afraid of what the religious leaders might do to him. He was not afraid because he knew that no matter what happened to his body, there was going to be something after. He knew that he was walking into eternal life. He continues, he says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it wasn't paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. And Peter is reminding his readers, guys, don't get, don't get cocky. Don't get arrogant. Please remember, there is nothing you could have done. There's nothing you could have earned. Salvation, no. See, your sin had a cost. And that cost was death. And God was paying that cost through the sacrificial death of his son. His life for your life. See, Jesus' death was the ransom or the ransom payment to free us from that penalty. Like today, we watch TV shows and you have a kidnapper asking for like several million dollars. And if that ransom of two million dollars, say, isn't paid, then the child is not returned. Well, sin was asking for a death ransom to free us from its hold. It was either his life for our life and God chose his life for your life. And not only does God free us from sin's power through the death and resurrection of Jesus, but also an empty life that we're pursuing away from him. Peter's audience was mostly from a Jewish background and they were taught good faith from their parents and their grandparents, but they missed that everything in their faith led to Jesus as the Messiah. And perhaps it's the same for many of us. We were taught a lot of good things growing up as a kid. But we missed how Jesus is the answer to our empty life. And it's only through Jesus that we have a rich, fulfilling, satisfying life. I'm afraid that for some of us, we may be pursuing something that's going to lead to nothing. And Jesus is inviting you to follow him because it leads to everything. I also love what he says, man. There's, our freedom isn't something that can be bought. Like our freedom from sin can't be bought, can't be earned. No, no, no. 
It's only through the precious blood of Jesus. And I love how he uses the word precious because when you think of something precious, it's usually of something of significant value and worth or it's innocent. In case you missed anything that I've said, if you don't mind just leaning in just for a second, maybe pausing some other things you have going on right now, and I want you to listen to what I'm about to say because I believe this is what Peter is summing up for us. We know God is for us because Jesus died for us, not because things always work out for us. I'll say that one more time. In case you might be taking notes, we know God is for us because Jesus died for us, not because things always work out for us. Because the foundation of our faith is an event. It's the resurrection. And because of the resurrection, we know for certain that God is personal, that suffering is not evidence of God's absence. And heaven is real. And the resurrection frees us up to accept the invitation to be forgiven and to be set free. And we know that forgiveness is available. We shared this a couple weeks ago. The ultimate relationship for any of us isn't marriage. It's actually with God. And God gave the ultimate investment to the ultimate relationship. He wants you to know that you are loved by Him. Like you are loved by God. And just so we're clear, His love for you is not dependent on your love for Him. He loved you at your worst. It's clear that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It can only go up from there, right? It can only go up from there. We're forgiven, we're set free, and he wants us to live that type of life because that's, that's evidence that something changed in us, that our soul has been made alive, that something's different with us. So we're free to love and forgive. Man, I hope that you are encouraged this Easter because the resurrection changes everything. And that is the foundation of our faith, is the resurrection of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to pray. Pray and thank you for all that you are doing in our lives. Thank you for the resurrection and how it changes everything, not just for the, for the world, and it's a, it changes what happens in our own soul. That because of the resurrection, we have hope. Because of the resurrection, we know that you gave everything to have a relationship with us, and we thank you for it. So Father, maybe for some that are watching and listening, I just ask that if Maybe they're convinced that Jesus is a really important person, but they don't believe in the resurrection. I pray that you help them see that the resurrection was something that people were willing to give their life for. I mean, would we ever die for a lie? So Father, I pray that one, they would accept Jesus' death and resurrection, that Jesus took their place, and they can receive the forgiveness. God, the other thing I pray for followers of Jesus, that we don't lose sight Help us not to get caught up in what you can do for us. But Father, help us to see why we need a relationship with you each and every day. 
Help us not to get arrogant or cocky or prideful, but help us to, to actually walk each day with a limp, knowing that we need to be dependent on you. We love you. We're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.